Hey guys, before we get into today's show, you should, at some point in the near future, check out what's on offer at TheRinger.com. Great website. Uh, you can read about how Jose Mourinho is trying his very best to ruin everything by Ryan O'Hanlon. The piece is actually titled, Why Manchester United and Jose Mourinho Can't Overcome Their Mistakes. It is very good reading. You should also just check out other Ringer podcasts, like the Ringer NFL show. The NFL season is fast approaching, and you want to know what you're talking about when Monday Night Football is happening. You should check out all of the things that The Ringer has to offer because, again, it is a great website. Now, let's get into the show. Yo, 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 yo! Ringer FC, we are back. Episode 2 of the new season. Two weeks into the Premier League, which means we need to gather our two-week Premier League massive overreactions. I'm with my usual midfield partners, Ryan O'Hanlon. What's up, Ryan? It's one nineteenth of the season gone. You don't think that's enough time for it to not be considered an overreaction? <laughs> Yours will just be reactions. And then Micah <laughs> Peters! I mean, I'm the Fred, I'm, the Fred of Ringer. Wow, FC. <laughs> such disrespect! I've never thrown a two-footed tackle in my life. I'm ready to read too much into things. I don't know about either of y'all, but but yeah, let's just get into it, man. I Wait, have guys, so have, many feelings. <laughs> how have you guys been? I mean, have you been watching Manchester City All or Nothing on Amazon? We're gonna get more into that later, but I just watched the first episode, and fuck, it's spellbinding. I think it's just the fact that I could I could watch any sort of like overly dramatized sports docu series for hundreds of episodes on end. So the fact that it's a soccer one, I I mean like I was going to be in on it for that. I mean like it's it I was in I was in on like having a whole sympathy for the devil thing going on until the episode about the Manchester Derby, <laughs> at which point I made very animated wanking motions towards my TV for about half an hour. <laughs> I became Ryan, a, have you, how many have you binged it all, Ryan? Or I've seen about half, and I became a lifelong Manchester City fan three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you guys, or I want to tell you guys quickly, an important personal milestone. Oh, wow. It took about 10 days maybe a dozen YouTube tutorials. I think I've mastered the deli challenge. I know how to do the deli alley upside down circle over the eye celebration. Do you guys know how to do it? Uh, yeah, but I got it on the first try because I, you, you know. You are the internet. I come am to life. the internet come to life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's a correlation to age and ability to do it, but I'm, I mastered it. I mean, I, I was thinking we might see an NBA player co-op this, right? For like a three-pointer celebration because there's a three on your forehead. Um, does it take too much effort, though, to like run down the court and do it that? It does. It does take a little bit of effort. I, I know Mike is trying to say he got it on the first try, but it does take— it You got to think a little bit. <laughs> 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 I wish I could see you to see how clean it With is. With my left hand. <laughs> anyway— in a little while, we're going to take a look around the rest of Europe. But first, the aforementioned two-week Premier League massive overreactions. Number one, Jose Mourinho is cooked. Manchester United, of course, lost to Brighton 3-1 to over the weekend. Skybet currently has him at 3-1 to odds to be the first manager fired. Ryan, you wrote about the Manchester United mess for the site. Talk about it. Here's what's going on with Manchester United. This is not an overreaction because they're playing the exact same way that they played for 38 games last season. So we got a 40-game sample of this team not being able to stop anyone defensively until the ball gets to David De Gea and their attack being like, you know, watching the 1994 New York Knicks where no one can make a shot from outside of like 13 feet and every, you know, every... P offensive possession is like reading the Bible from front to back. It's it's just takes so much effort. And we're at a situation where the Manchester United board is essentially leaking 
stories to the press saying that they just vetoed all of the players that Jose Mourinho wanted to Jose Mourinho wanted to sign. I'm going to get his name right um, <laughs> before he gets fired. <laughs> Hard J for Portuguese people. Um, they're leaking stories to the press saying that you know Mourinho is only looking in the short term. They want to build for the future. He's already signed a bunch of big money center backs. We're not going to give him another center back. And it seems like the writing is on the wall that Jose Mourinho's time is about to be up in Manchester City, Manchester United. But they gave him a fucking contract extension to 2020 back in January. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's honestly just I the thing is that like if, if we were talking about this a little bit offline yesterday. It's just the I can't imagine where a situation, any other situation at any other point in time in all of world football history where things have been this bad and it, you know, like eventually the ship gets righted. Like, oh, I was about to say you forgot the whole Moyes era. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm not talking about that it's never been this bad before. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, like, as in. Mourinho entering season three, the rift between him and the players deepening and widening and what have you. I mean, like, it just seems like Halloween would be a stretch. There's something so just poetic about the sort of symbolic David Moyes signing coming on for the last 15 minutes of the Brighton game to try to save... <laughs> Jose Mourinho's team. He drew, he drew the penalty. Fellaini. He drew the penalty. You got to give him that. I, no, I mean, that it's just, there's just something hilarious about that to me, that the guy who was sort of the symbol of everything that was wrong about the Sir Alex, post-Sir Alex Ferguson era is like still one of the only things that works about the team. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because this kind of corrosive atmosphere that sort of permeated the club is now seeping... Everywhere, like ex-players, pundits. I know, I know, Micah, you've probably been following this little Paul Scholes, Paul Pogba. Little. Paul Pogba's agent, <laughs> Mino Rayola, spat. Basically, uh, Scholes on TV came for Pogba because he's, you know, the easiest target on the team. Called him not a leader, too inconsistent. Pogba didn't respond, but his agent clapped back on Twitter. Some people need to talk for fear of being forgotten. Paul Scholes wouldn't recognize a leader if he was in front of Sir Winston Churchill. <laughs> Gunshot sounds. Yeah. Paul it's, <laughs> he also said that, he also mentioned that Paul Scholes never won anything for England, which I thought was funny. Um, yeah. I mean, like, Paul Scholes has been dunked on by now Mino, both Mino Rola <laughs> and Jose Mourinho. But, I mean, like, really, it's just the... the Overwhelming, the prevailing sense around the club and the coverage of it, the punditry, all of it is just that nobody can seem to see their hand in front of their own faces. Like, and it's just kind of everything is so joyless and dispiriting. I mean, yeah. watching that Brighton game, the first half of the. Like, I, it took me two tries to finish watching the game because the first time, after the first <laughs> half, I turned it off. And then I went back and watched the full thing because I'm a masochist. But, I mean, everything— and a professional. Was, exactly. I kind of have to. For, for this. This is, uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, it's—the spacing was off. The, the, the fullback—I mean, we still have—we have the worst fullbacks of any team in the top six. There's— I mean, the amount of ball watching was, <laughs> I mean, like unconscionable. And on top of that, it's just, uh, this is what uh, Leon uh, Balogun said after, Balogun said after good. the game. This was good. <laughs> um, you know, new signing uh, Nigerian national team player uh, just signed for Brighton Hove in the offseason says, some of the lads have just asked me that too, and I, I said I expected the Premier League to be quicker, but they told me this is always the kind of game you play against United. They like to slow it down a little bit sometimes. Liverpool is going to be completely different. I know Jurgen Klopp likes to play. It's going to be a lot quicker and a lot more intense. This is the same <laughs> kind of stuff that, um, like they, like Steven and Zanzi said after the Sevilla game, Jamal Lassell said after the Newcastle game. It's, there's... I mean, when you couple poor decision-making with bad spacing and also just lackadaisical everything, then poor results happen. Well, yeah, and I think it's also, you know, teams like Brighton 
they don't they no longer fear United. They they feel comfortable pressing them and getting in their face and, and not scared for counters or for what's gonna happen if, you know, they circle the ball. And and I think that, you know, usually teams like United intimidate quote unquote smaller teams like Brighton. And that wasn't the case over the weekend. Well, and it's like Manchester United has lost games to teams like Brighton in the past. It's This is not the first time this has happened. But Brighton was up 3-1, and Manchester United, like, like every game of this, every version of this game in the past, Brighton goes up 3-1 and is just hanging on by a thread to win the game. This was, they go up 3-1. Man, you essentially creates nothing at all until Fellaini gr- grabs the penalty right at the end and makes it 3-2. It was like the limpest response <laughs> to being ta- down two goals that I've ever seen from a, a team that's supposed to be as good as this team. I should mention that Alexis didn't play, uh, but people on social media quickly noticed less than 24 hours after the result, he tweeted a commercial for his new clothing line and then had to delete it. <laughs> so when I say corrosive atmosphere, Who it's among us? fans as well. There's <laughs> uh, not clothing line, some shameless self-promotion at the wrong period in time. The clothing line is, is, is about what you'd expect. If you haven't seen it, it's quite basic. Anyway, United's next match is at Old Trafford against Spurs on Monday. Could get worse before it gets better. It's absolutely Yikes. going to get worse before Yikes. it gets better. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just... Let's just move across town. Number let's two. just move across town. <laughs> Overreaction. Manchester City are going to run the league again. Mm, I don't think that's quite an overreaction, just based upon a small clip that I've watched now going on, I'm thinking on the side of 100 times, um, Ederson playing an 80-yard ball and a dime to Sergio Aguero to score the second goal against Huddersfield. Whatever yeah. it is that allows a keeper to do that, because Allison was also doing this against, I mean... Uh, in the game against Crystal Palace. Whatever it is that's allowing keepers to do that, get it off the streets. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to be like, Man City is going to win the league clearly because they just beat a terrible team six to one. (laughs) Um, But I I think they were going to win it pretty easily anyway coming into the season. Um, I guess the thing you take away from this is Kevin De Bruyne goes down, Pep changes the system takes Sterling and Sané out of the lineup, takes Mares out of the lineup. God, imagine being able to, to fucking take to those three that. guys yeah. out. <laughs> and uh, they win 6-1 and look incredible. Benjamin Mendy looks like, you know, one of like the seven best players in the world currently. So I, my opinion of the team hasn't changed, but I I welcome the general thought of the overreaction. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, it must be nice to be able to, taking off those three attacking players and not having, having Kevin De Bruyne go down and being like, you know what, it it doesn't seem like you can replace him with three other players on the roster. I mean, it must be nice to be able to wipe your ass with a stack is all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) And De Bruyne's out for a significant amount of time. I think he's not going to be back until November. Um, But speaking of all or nothing, which we talked about in the open, it's interesting and fitting it premiered, I think, last week, or the season was released. And the first episode, the whole storyline is about Mendy going down uh, early last season. Mm-hmm. And he's back in full health and just looks amazing. Looks probably like the best left back in the league. Well, their chairman in the in the show says, uh, like, we had a list of a top three, and he was way ahead of the number two as far as the players that were going to, wanted to sign, which, right. like— obvious thing to say after you've signed the guy but yeah. then like these two games are sort of making that pretty clear yeah yeah and it's hard not to feel good for him because of what he's gone through and, and, and kind of how good spirited he is yeah I mean like he just looks like he has so much fun bombing up the pitch and I mean the thing is that looking up and seeing like him in frame when play is advanced to inside of the six-yard box and he's standing on top of the 18 and then the ball cycles out and then he hits a full volley back in the, and it's like the kind of strike that a winger should be hitting he's yeah. good and at ma- everything i mean a match of the day was pointing out too that he's like a king of the early cross and, mm-hmm. and how much strikers like the early cross and he's he's accurate i should mention that aguero 
is now he broke into the top 10 of goal scorers of all time in the Premier League, tied with Teddy Sheringham. Also only has two fewer hat tricks than Alan Shearer, who holds the record. Best foreign player in Premier League history, just given how long he's been in the league for. Possibly. The Jesus Aguero now as a partnership, that seemed to work well. That seems like the the pep fix for whatever you're losing without De Bruyne on the field, I think. Figuring out a way to play two strikers. He's British now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, we don't actually have an overreaction for Liverpool, but I have to ask you, as a Liverpool fan, does it really feel like you can't afford to drop any points? Of course, Liverpool beat Palace pretty, in pretty ugly fashion yesterday. But it seems like to keep up with City, they're going to have to keep pace the whole season long, right? Yeah, I mean, I Liverpool have probably almost exceeded my expectations with how well I think they've played over the first two games, and I still do not feel very confident that they're going to catch City unless... They haven't conceded a goal yet, right? Nope. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think a way to Crystal Palace as someone who predicted Crystal Palace in seventh is actually a tough game. Uh, so that was a, a actually a pretty good win. Um, but unless, you know, David Silva, Sané, Sterling, Jesus, Mendy, John Stones, and Kyle Walker all get injured, <laughs> it still feels like Liverpool basically has to win every game and then beat City the two times they play them, which could happen. I mean, at least that second part, not winning every other game. Yeah, I mean, like beating West Ham 4-0 and then taking care of business against uh, Palace is the kind of stuff that you know Liverpool wasn't doing last season so this is like a step in the right direction they dropped 19 points against lesser ranked competition last season and like Klopp was really happy about the the performance against Palace like about the fact that y'all can win ugly yeah, um, right. we could have done a lot better offensively and it was not brilliant football game for us we don't have to make it something it was not but it was a big step everyone knows that when we are not brilliant we usually lose today we weren't brilliant but we won Ha ha! Then he did that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's let's move on to number three. Uh, Two parter. The new Arsenal look a lot like the old Arsenal. And sorry, bar sorry ball. Excuse sorry, me. At Chelsea. Sorry, bar. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, ball at Chelsea will be fun, but their defense isn't built to sustain it. And of course, both of these rea- overreactions are based on Chelsea's very exciting, very shambolic defending, featuring three-two win over Arsenal. At Stamford Bridge, I think I agree with both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to say with Chelsea because that seems like a like I'm not sold on the idea of Conte playing higher up the field as uh, Sari is doing with Jorginho playing deeper, and it felt you know the the story of the first half was. Arsenal trying to press or not pressing Chelsea but also playing a high line and Chelsea creating a bunch of really good chances in the first 20 minutes and then Arsenal just completely pummeling Chelsea with cutbacks to the penalty spot just never ending love, love of, those cutbacks <laughs> um, and it could it legitimately could have been 4-2 four to, four to two Arsenal at halftime I think Arsenal had the better chances in the first half and all of those cutbacks were like directly in the spot where Conte would usually be covering so I think that there's like there's still a lot of tinkering for Sarri to do before I'm sort of I think they're probably the fourth best team in my opinion at this point. Um, but before I'm actually confident in them doing anything, because you know Arsenal basically stopped attacking at halftime for various reasons, and that's why the defense stood up. It wasn't that Chelsea's defense was suddenly or Chelsea's defense was suddenly stout in the second half, um, and Arsenal like. Just still a a very mismatched team that can sort of blow anyone off the field in a given moment, but still is having an issue putting ninety minutes together. We saw uh, a cameo appearance, a sub appearance from Kovacic, uh, of course on loan from Real Madrid. He looked really good. Imagine upgrading Ross Barkley to Kovacic. <laughs> <laughs> And Conte, you mentioned, actually created the most chances of any Chelsea player, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, like he, it's this new, like roving mode that he's in is a, a good way for. I mean, a good way to link up, link the link the two parts of 
you know, like Chelsea together. You also have Jorginho in there doing the metronomic boring stuff, but Jorginho he, was so good. Yeah. I, mean, I haven't really watched that, that much of him. Yeah. Damn, he's good. That ball, and you know which one we're talking about. <laughs> but you're talking also, about the Gwendo- the Gwendozi ball? <laughs> oh my God. We'll get into that. We'll get into Come that. On. Keep going. That, yeah, but I was just saying that like also you it's it's just kind of you need you want Conte to do all of the things. <laughs> it's right. uh, you know, part of the reason why Chelsea was so open, you know, just because he's not playing in his He's not at home. Probably had something to do with them playing Rudiger and David Luiz at center back together and Marcos Alonso, who's never played fullback (laughs) as a fullback (laughs) and who was just constantly in Arsenal's box somehow. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, because he's used to being a winger. But yeah, uh, just, uh, yeah, Rudiger. We were were talking about this offline earlier. There was a Sky Sports debate between Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher about Unai Emery and Arsenal. And they got to talking about modern football or modern managerial approaches and having a plan A versus a plan B. And Gary Neville said that Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, and Mauricio Pochettino don't have a plan B. They, they just make their plan A better. And the debate was basically about do players have to adapt to the coach or do coaches have to adapt to players? I thought it was a really interesting debate. Gary Neville was basically saying that Unai Emery, even if they're going through some growing pains now, trying to play the modern style, playing out from the back and pressing, if the players aren't, aren't you know, catching up to his tactics, he shouldn't change to appease them. He should stick to his guns and then they might go through you know, some shambolic defending and some poor results but it's ultimately like a long-term plan. Uh, What do you guys think about that? I generally think it's a good idea to stick to your plan and not sort of, you know, chase your own tail, basically, based on how results go. Um, But I think there has to be, you know, you can't, you never get your, unless you're like one of four or five teams in the world, you're never just going to handpick your perfect ideal player. Um, and especially the situation that Emery is coming into where it's kind of like like ar- arguably Arsenal's four best players play two positions, you know? Like Ozil and Mkhitaryan are... I don't know if those are two players you Didn't want. You the- say be- didn't you say best players, right? <laughs> Why are you including Don't Ozil? even start, oh, man. <laughs> it, the point is that, you know, like Arsenal, we've and we've talked about this multiple times, is just the fact that this Arsenal team is extremely mismatched because of all of the players that have arrived over the last two windows have really just been, it's almost just kind of like, well, you don't want to say bargain bin because it's not, that's not exactly true. There's a lot, there's plenty of quality in this team. It's just the fact that you, you can't, it can't be one or the other. As a fan, Donnie, I, the way I saw this game on Saturday was that they took off Xhaka at halftime who, sort of was the facilitator of getting the ball from the back up to the attack. And without him on the field, that didn't happen anymore. But Arsenal was less open at the back. But in my mind, in the first half, it was a very open game, but actually Arsenal had the better balance of the game still. Would you prefer your team to figure out ways to like tighten it up the back at the back and play lower scoring games? Or just like given all the attacking talent they have, play try to win a 4-2 game, basically. I would I would choose the latter. And I was, you know, disappointed, obviously, by the result, but I was encouraged overall. I mean, I think um, the defending aspect or, of what, you know, the, the high line and, and the playing out from the back that Emery wants to install, I think that's going to take some time. I also think Mustafi is probably not good enough, but um, the way they played in the first half and the chances they created, I mean, like, we were talking about those uh, cutback passes. That's kind of a new thing, you know, like playing mm-hmm. that deep in the channels like that because normally or usually in, in the Wenger years, the latter Wenger years, it was a lot of just trying to make these little triangle one-twos happen in the, in the top of the box. Um, so, I, you know, I was encouraged by that. And I was encouraged by Guendouzi, who I love, everything about him. He's only 19. And he's going to be... And you too are smitten about him playing accurate driven balls across the pitch. Yeah, yeah, he's got great vision and he's not scared. 
even at 19 and even being this his first year in top flight football. So anyway, uh, let's just move on. All right, go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I personally, I don't know how I feel about him still, to be honest. I, I think there's obviously a lot of potential. I don't know if, if we're looking at him as if it's pretty impressive that he's like not getting completely run over despite being 19 and playing in the French second division. Mm-hmm. Um, or if he's actually like, you know, good enough right now to be playing for a team that has Arsenal's ambitions. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, he's the only player in the midfield who's played all 180 minutes so far this season, as far as I know. I mean, Ozil got the hook early, which is mm-hmm. something that's also encouraging for Arsenal fans that Emery is not afraid to pull players that are underperforming. I mean, he's sub Xhaka at halftime. So he's clearly becoming one of the manager's favorites. And yeah, time will tell, I guess, whether or not he can sustain. I mean, he's already made some errors, costly errors, even against Manchester City in the first week. Uh, but he's becoming kind of, um, you know, I think Emery has trusted him so far. So we'll see. It's also like, big, it's the yeah. kind of signing that Arsenal should be making. Like they should be signing yeah. more guys like him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's going up than, against the great Jack Wilshire this weekend. So we'll see. Oh my God, that's oh going to be God. so tough for you. <laughs> All right, moving on. Number four. Richarlison was worth every penny of that 44 million pound transfer fee. And I want to read a quote that Richarlison uh, just gave recently. Quote, I want to be the top scorer of the league. That's the Premier League. Take Everton back to the Champions League and reach the Brazilian national team. So clearly the boy has some high goals and high aspirations. But, you know, he's kind of been the story as far as like attacking players go of the first two weeks. Three goals, three scored three different ways. And and Everton look a lot more dangerous offensively than they did. I guess, I guess it was under Big Sam, but still. <laughs> anyway, people, a lot of people were questioning that transfer fee uh, because of how he tailed off last season for Watford. But um, he's proven to be so far a pretty dangerous player. Yeah, to me, the big difference is that he's finishing his chances this year, and he didn't do that for the second half of last year. Um, and I think that was kind of the bet that Everton made was that just the fact that he was getting those chances is what mattered. And so far, that's been true. And, you know, I, I think we also under underplayed, like, the guy came into the Premier League as a 20-year-old and say what you will about the second half of the season, but the first four or five months, he was legitimately one of the best attacking players in the league as a 20-year-old who'd never played in Europe before. Yeah, best player <laughs> out of the, that wasn't in the top six. So, and, like, he, and, he, and he had, like, no summer, from what mm-hmm, I recall, mm-hmm. like, pl- coming straight from Brazil. Plus, he's, like, weirdly incredibly good in the air, too, in addition to sort of being able to dribble past people and, you know, being able to play on the ground. So a lot of the indicators for him to be become a really good player were there. So... So City are going to buy him for eighty million. Yeah, he's, he's going to replace few, in a few months. Replace Ronaldo in January. He's going to look great in white. <laughs> Do you guys have any other overreaction transfer busts, wins, losses, or anybody that's Fred? Right? <laughs> Micah, talk about Fredgy? it. Fred. Oh my goodness! Just, I mean, Fred also doesn't benefit from you know like having the ball played into his feet with two people on his back that's true um but also i mean like it's still like he thinks he's still playing in the ukraine (laughs) i forgot who said it but someone was he wears 17 and someone was like i legitimately thought that was just nani out there which is a complete uh Non-compliment, which to the way really Fred tell was you all that you need to know about his first two league performances. And then his name is Fred. It just feels like so. I can just imagine a year or two years from now, or five years from now, it's like top Manchester United bust of all time. Well, the thing is that number seven, Fred. <laughs> it's also just that. I mean, like he started. He started the game against Leicester City like fine. You know, it was fine for the first ten to fifteen minutes, and then there was. I mean <laughs> that uh, that play in the corner with Damari Gray, where he kind of turned Fred. Fred fell down, and then he just lunged up and kicked him in the side of the leg. Yeah. <laughs> he's had you know like several just out of pocket tackles like that so far. I can only imagine that disaster is not too far ahead. <laughs> All right, let's move on uh, to number five, which is actually about. 
our new big six. City, Liverpool, <laughs> Chelsea, Spurs, and Watford and Bournemouth. I picked Watford to be relegated. Ryan, I believe you picked Bournemouth to be relegated, oh, right? Oh, man, I did. I did. <laughs> and they're both two for two. Six points. Which which one of these two teams do you think has will be able to not sustain, obviously, a top six standing, but keep up the success? Or which which team do you think it's more an aberration I guess their early success uh I would say I think I'd be higher on Watford going forward um partially they I mean beating Brighton 2-0 uh was a big win just in terms of like beating a team you'd presumably be directly competing against in a relegation fight and then putting up three on Burnley that's not easy um and their defense has been great they've haven't allowed more than uh, 0.65 xg. Can't believe it's taken me that long to get get that stat. <laughs> Do we have um, a timestamp in here? Uh, and, Confetti fall. <laughs> <laughs> and also, one of Bournemouth's wins came against Cardiff, which uh, I don't quite count as a real win in my personal <laughs> table. So, and then they beat West Ham, uh, who's still kind of a mess in getting things together. So. With Watford, it's like a very good defense, and their attack has been kind of good. Bournemouth, it's like a little more smoke and mirrors, in my opinion, at this point. So I'd take Watford over Bournemouth going forward. How do you feel about the Andre Gray-Troy Deeney partnership, Micah? I... <laughs> big... I'm, I'm high on the Andre Gray-Troy Deeney <laughs> partnership. Also, and that's not just because I've, I've spent in... Longer than I would like to divulge watching Troy Deeney train training compilations on instagram what does uh, he do in training it's it's really just like it's <laughs> does he eat, eat donuts it's, yeah it's, very, it's it's surprising how agile his teammates people from a golf can cart. look <laughs> it's surprising how agile people can look when there's nothing to to basically judge them against if they're just like <laughs> on an empty pitch doing you know uh you know keepy ups and and you know aerial finishing and whatnot. I mean, if it, it, he, I I'm big on Troy Deeney in general just because it's just <laughs> he's just a so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just big and he's a hilarious character. I like mean, and I was kind of just dissing him, but honestly, if not to sound Brexity or anything, but if his name was like. Pepe Le Pew or whatever. I'm sure. <laughs> 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 like, Troy, like, I'm saying Troy DJ. Troy DJ. Yeah. Troy, Troy Dini is not without skill. The finish he had. I mean, the Decore pass was amazing. Isn't right? Troy Dini? Troy Dini is like the guy that we like. You're I, you're kind of onto something, Donnie. There, he's like the the big player with like the out of shape big guy with good feet is like right. the player like everyone Hazard. loves. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I have a I have a quick oh, doppelganger alert. That's the the Watford manager Javi. It's not Garcia. Garcia. I noticed over the weekend he looks like Mike D of the Beastie Boys. Wow. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Overreactions. That's the most Donnie call that there has been <laughs> so far. Overreactions number six. This is just a quickie. Where we just talked about Bournemouth. This is actually just my personal overreaction that David Brooks of Bournemouth midfielder is a future Premier League star. Does David Brooks play to the right of center on the field? He's wide. I think he plays left, actually. You guys didn't, Wait, get, why do you, you didn't why get, do get my you David him? Brooks joke. New York Times yeah. columnist. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Oh, that just whooshed over he my really, head. He, he <laughs> just whooshed me. He pushed the, the, the bridge of his glasses up as he finished telling <laughs> that joke. David Brooks, I remember last year, actually, at this time, we were talking about Aaron Moy as kind of like a scrappy dude to look for in a, in a bottom-feeding team. I mean, of course, Bournemouth are in the top six right now, but David Brooks is 21. He's Welsh. I think he looks like a cross between Joffrey and the Banjo Kid from Deliverance in his face. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Does that sound like a diss? Because it's a diss, actually, right? You're on a roll right now. I, mean, there's, there's, <laughs> I don't think that there's any way that jo Joffrey and Banjo Kid can be taken as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's left-footed. He plays uh, on the left. Uh, he's also capable of playing in the middle, from what I've read, because I didn't watch a lot of his Sheffield United games. But he gives me those Jack Wilshere vibes. That's all I'm saying. He's like, you know, tidy, elegant, can pick a pass, all of those cliches. He's good. 
you guys have a young player that you're keeping your eye on? Aaron Wambasaka. Mr. Red Card. That was hard. <laughs> that that was, red card was harsh. It, harsh. The thing is that it whether or not the red cars the red card was harsh is irrelevant it, because it was a red card. If you are the last defender back and you deny an obvious score goal scoring opportunity, then you know the game is the game. At the same time, I think it was probably more so like don't let players just you know, run all willy nilly through your midfield because then things like that happen when you have to make eighty yard recovery runs. Yeah, we're of course talking about the Crystal Palace right back. Yes, we are talking about the Crystal Palace right back, who was really good against Liverpool. Stats were one key pass, four dribbles, one, three tackles, one, three clearances, two aerials, one. Do you he think was, he's a fan of Little Yachty? Just yeah. asking because his hair is Yachty. Because because he has. Smedium braids is that <laughs> is that what we're is that what we're talking about? Let let just, people just, have wash day braids, man. It's not everybody that you know does that <laughs> likes Lil Yachty because he also has them. I'm gonna have to check his Instagram. But Ryan, uh, do you have any young players you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, this 23 year old by the name of Nabi Keda. You <laughs> 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 can't say you can't take a marquee signing. Is no. Keda really 23? He's yeah. 23. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I know. Damn, that's a, sh- it's was a like shame 26. for everyone else. Uh, I, I'll. I've enjoyed watching James Madison. He's definitely a guy that like always looks like he's gonna create something dangerous, but actually hasn't really created. I mean, he scored, um, which I guess counts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every time anyone like English does something, they just pan up to the crowd and it's like Gareth Southgate scribbling in his notepad. Yeah, every, he's magically at every game. <laughs> every game, yeah. Takes his pocket watch out of his waistcoat and then uh, writes in his notebook. <laughs> but I, I, he's one of those guys to me, he looks great and then I think about what he actually does over the course of a game and hasn't been that much, I guess. But I guess with a, a 21-year-old, you're kind of, you're projecting some stuff onto him. So, I'm skeptical of James Madison going forward, is what I would say. Yeah, put all your money in David Brooks. All right, finally, final massive overreaction, which is an overreaction to an initial preseason overreaction. Yes. Fulham and Wolves aren't as good as we thought they were. I believe we both picked them in the top half of the table. or I think we did, or around there. Fulham have zero points. Wolves have one point. Um, newly promoted uh, fellow newly promoted team Cardiff City also have one point so are they overhyped? I think they were overhyped in the sense of like we all saw all the players they added and the players that they had and were kind of like how could this not work and I think the first couple games showed us that like just coming from the championship to the Premier League like that's it's just a huge adjustment, no matter what players you have. Um, and then also adding that many players is a big adjustment. That's the other thing. Yeah. I think Fulham and Wolves both both have like a ton of guys that still need to be integrated into the team, integrated into their systems. Um, it was like halfway through the first Wolves game against Everton where, Ryan, I think you said, I already hate watching these guys. <laughs> well, they, just like, you said five minutes into the first Wolves game and they're pissing me off already. <laughs> I mean, they're the typical anti-me team that, where they just cross the ball a ton. Um, and like Ruben Neves is extremely gifted, but his whole game is trying the Steven Gerrard pass every time he gets the ball. And like, it comes or blasting off, it on net. Yeah, and it comes off every, you know, 10 passes or whatever, which is great when it happens, but then the rest of the time it's just like, what am I What am I doing here? The thing with Wolves for me was they played worse against Everton once they went up a man, and they sort of kept doing what they were doing, played with three in the back against uh, Sanctosin alone and no one else. So there was just a complete waste of bodies basically and that just really annoyed me uh from the comfort of my couch <laughs> uh, i mean they, they played they played up a man against leicester for like 30 minutes too oh my god jamie vardy should be suspended for the entire season for that <laughs> maybe maybe the trick to playing against wolves is having a man sent off <laughs> wow market F- down <laughs> fulham on the other hand i think actually have you know they have zero points but 
I think they have showed some promise. Actually, Sari looked really good. John Michael Sari has been. He looks just like he belongs. He he looks like a person that almost got <laughs> almost got a transfer signed by Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they were really good against Palace, and you know they were beat by an unfortunate. Basically, just for switching off, which you can't do. I mean, they they were punished for making a mistake in the Palace game, and then uh, losing to Spurs. Their keeper was not great against Palace. Yeah, and he won't be their keeper for much longer. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then yeah, they they also didn't play that bad against Spurs. I think that Fulham will eventually turn it around. It's like we were saying before. It's just that it's going to take that there are going to be some particular excruciating growing pains for the first couple of weeks. I think Palace and Spurs is a pretty tough. Palace is just a hard team, a weird team to play against, I think. And I, I don't yeah, think you see... They're compact. Te- you don't see teams like Palace in the championship, I don't think. Um, and then, obviously, Tottenham uh, is Tottenham. But the, the, Fulham had a 15-minute stretch where they were completely dominating Fulham at the beginning of the second half where they scored... Uh, Possibly my favorite goal of the year, where Mitrovic was just on his knees and headed the ball in. (laughs) (laughs) But I wouldn't sound the alarm bells for either team just yet. Yeah, and Harry Kane broke his duck, scored in August. You have to eat your words. (laughs) We have to give him credit for that. All right, boys, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we'll have a quick tour of Europe. Hey, guys. Wanted to tell you a little bit about Ring. One of today's sponsors. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. You might already know about their smart video doorbells and cameras that protect millions of people everywhere. Ring helps you stay connected to your home from anywhere in the world. So if there's a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you'll get an alert and be able to see, hear, and speak to them. And you can do it all from your phone. That's thanks to the HD video and two-way audio features on all Ring devices. As a listener, you have a special offer on a Ring starter kit that's available right now. With a video doorbell and motion-activated floodlight cam, the starter kit has everything you need to start building a ring of security around your home. In order to take advantage of the special offer, just go to ring.com FC. That's ring.com FC. Our other sponsor today is Proper Cloth. Finding a dress shirt that fits is nearly impossible. Something is always off, be it the collar or the sleeves. Thankfully, ordering a custom-fit shirt has never been easier with Proper Cloth. At propercloth.com, you can easily create a custom-sized shirt in seconds by answering 10 simple questions. Choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 fabric styles. From classic to business to casual, to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want. The team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world, and they only buy fabrics that meet their high quality expectations. Each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing, so you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. Best of all, Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning that if somehow your shirt doesn't fit perfectly, they will remake it for free. The whole process is risk-free. This is the future of shirts. These shirts are completely custom just for you, starting at just $80. So stop wearing shirts that don't fit and start looking your best with a custom-fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com FC today. Enter gift code FC to save $20 on your first shirt. Now back to the show. And we're back. We're going to talk about Europe. But before we do that, actually, I wanted to ask you guys how you guys stream. I'm asking because I just, this is not an ad, <laughs> but I just subscribed. <laughs> Maybe it should be an ad. Fubo TV. Spon- sponsor me, boys. <laughs> uh, they, I just subscribed to YouTube TV. Uh, I canceled Sling. And YouTube TV is actually dope. I mean, you can pause, rewind, DVR. They have all the relevant channels, but... Uh, you know, NBC Sports and um, whatever you need really to watch the premiership. But there was an article in the New York Times like a couple weeks ago about hypothetically how much it would cost to stream every game if you're like a fan of a big European club. And the price came out to $750 per year. And that's including the Bleacher Report app, which is where you can watch Champions League and Europa League and, you know, various streaming services, ESPN Plus. So I was just curious how you guys do it. I 
am fortunate enough, fortunate enough to uh, write about soccer as part of my job so I can get these things uh, paid for by my company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my way of doing it is I have Fubo TV. Uh, I have cable that has most of the other stuff. And then I'm uh, an ESPN yeah, Ian? Pl- Ian Plus boy. Uh, Bean's on Fubo TV. Oh, be it, it has said, like I thought you said Fubu TV. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> what about you, Micah? Uh, I use uh, PS View. I have kind of like the highest level of package. I'm considering oh, wow. shaking it up. Um, <laughs> He's on the market for a sponsorship, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I just. Don't know how I'm going to be able to watch Champions League games on a regular basis if I don't pay for the uh, for the Bleacher Report app. Yeah, yeah. Have you guys? Yeah, that's. I haven't bought it yet, but it's eighty dollars per year, and you get. I mean, they're going to show some of the Champions League games. I guess the big ones on TNT, but uh, for the Europa League, and for all of the games, you have to have the app. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do about that? I mean, you're going to have Europa League probably at some point too. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I also, wow. I also have, I should also mention I have NBC Sports Gold, mm-hmm. which is like where you can see the games that aren't on national TV, uh, Premier League games. But anyway, I was just curious because I think, and you know, of course there's Reddit streams, uh, not to promote any Ill- illegalities here, but uh, you can always find a stream somewhere. But anyway, on that note, let's talk about ESPN Plus in Syria because Ronaldo's debut happened, Juventus won. Three to two, Kievo. They were down two nil. Ronaldo didn't score. Did you guys watch the game? I uh, did. <laughs> yeah, because he's an ESPN Plus boy, as he's already <laughs> said. Um, I didn't actually get to watch the game. I only got to see the highlights. I thought uh, Juventus looked pretty good. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, I know they had to win uh, at the death, and Ronaldo also like severely injured Kievo's keeper. Um, but the interesting thing about this, Juventus was just a low shot team basically last year. Despite being very good, they didn't shoot sort of as much as the other top teams. R- Ronaldo comes to the team, they took 26 shots <laughs> against Kievo, so it's kind of an obvious, uh, just very simplistic way of looking at it. Ronaldo comes to town and they're just sort of a attacking behemoth. But I think the most interesting thing about this was that uh, Ronaldo looked a lot better once Mandzukic came in and they pushed Ronaldo out to the left and essentially had Ronaldo playing the Mandzukic role and Mandzukic playing the Iguain role. Um, so that that's a thing to look at, I think, going forward, is what is sort of the best arrangement of players around Ronaldo. And of course, without Ronaldo... Uh, La Liga season kicked off on BN. <laughs> um, Ryan, you wrote a piece about the uh, how Real Madrid will cope without Ronaldo and how they might potentially even be better. I'm not going to ask you to talk about it, but I want <laughs> to know your your opinion of how Real. I mean, of course, they lost their the Super Cup to Atletico. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they won over the weekend, but overall, like, how do you see the balance of the season playing out? I guess with Gareth Bale playing a more prominent role, but just without that big Ronaldo-sized hole in, in the front of their attack. I would say the you know the general thought behind the piece that I wrote, and it was from talking to a bunch of people that work with teams in Europe, is that Real is one of the few teams in the world where the other the players replacing Ronaldo are also world class players, as opposed to like the Portuguese national team trying to place Ronaldo. And their theory was that he takes so many shots that to get as many shots as he took, uh, you have to take a bunch of inefficient shots. And if you replace those shots with like a third shot for Karim Benzema, an extra shot for Bale, you might be replacing it with more efficiency beyond also just the benefits of having kind of a varied attack as opposed to one where most of the production's coming from one guy. That was kind of their theory, and Ronaldo's just getting older. But the first game, Real averaged 18 shots last year. Ronaldo averaged about eight, and they took 10 shots in their first game without Ronaldo. So I think that's concerning. Uh, they they completely sort of shut Hatafe down, didn't give up anything defensively, which is kind of hilarious given what happened in the Super Cup where the defense looked like garbage. So I think... 
can they sort of generate the attacking firepower or close to the attacking firepower of the past the past seasons is still a very open question after the first game. And will anyone watch Real Madrid again? Because they had the lowest attendance at the Bernabeu since the first, the final game before Ronaldo came to Real Madrid. <laughs> and, and related, related, I read that the Ronaldo debut for Juventus had the third highest r- television rating in Italy for Syria. Yep. So, Ronaldo effect is real. There you go. But uh, conversely, or not conversely, but for Barcelona, are we sleeping on them? Because this whole Ronaldo with with or without kind of Barcelona has been kind of in the shadows a little bit, or more so than usual. I I the betting markets have changed a little bit, but last week Barca was uh, fifth favorite to win the Champions League, and this is a team that is going to have a full season of Coutinho, who will be able to play in the Champions League this year. Usman Dembele, presumably a full season of him. Uh, they also added Arturo fucking Vidal <laughs> over the summer. An aging Arturo Vidal whose game does not lend itself well to aging. No. Wait, so who, who, were, the, who were the four uh, with higher odds or better odds? Liverpool, uh, City, Bayern, City, Juve? Bayern, Juve, and I believe uh, I believe it was Real. Um, gotcha. And that changed after the first game. Uh, Barca's third. And I, I, I mean, it's just... They brought Coutinho and Vidal off the bench in their game over the weekend. And they, like, it's just, judging La Liga is kind of, it's just weird because Barca has just completely dominated the league for the past five years, Mm -hmm. but Real has dominated the Champions League. So, like, stripping out the Champions League, you know, Barca finished 17 points ahead of Real Madrid in La Liga last year. And they got better. <laughs> so, and Re- Real Madrid lost Ronaldo. I think there's sort of still the open question of what it means for the attack. Uh, so I think I think we're going to probably see a pretty a cakewalk season to the La Liga title from Barca. And I don't know. I, I Messi's still on the team too, and is still amazing uh, based on now, this one now game. the captain. He's now the captain. captain. Um, so I, I I just think that Barca is my favorite probably to win it all. And it's just kind of funny to think that like a stacked Barca team isn't getting an insane amount of love. Um, just given that the opposite has happened for the past, you know, 15 years, basically. It's, it's just Barca fatigue. I think you're right. That's Everyone's, everyone's going to fall back in love with Barca this year when Arturo Vidal, you know, <laughs> two foot someone into gets the in stands. a car accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Atletico's going to win the league. Oh, well, yeah. they should have won their first game. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been willing to believe that after they scored four goals on eight shots against Real Madrid in the Super Cup, but... It's almost like the Super Cup doesn't really tell us anything. Anything at all. <laughs> anything useful. <laughs> Related news, it was reported last week that La Liga is going to have a competitive match in where? The United States. It's going to be the first European league to stage a regular season match in America the game will most likely be played in Miami, as possibly as soon as this winter. That means this season. The two teams haven't been announced yet, but they're teasing it as at least one of the major teams. So you have to imagine it'll be either Madrid, Real Madrid or Barcelona and whomever. How do you guys feel about that? Basically, it's a deal between La Liga and Relevant Sports, who's the company who puts on the ICC, the International Champions Cup, every summer. Uh, it seems like it's been like a long time coming, or maybe not a long time coming, but talked about. I know the Premier League has talked about staging the last match of the season in the States. I feel kind of lukewarm about it, to be honest. But I mean, I also thing. feel kind of lukewarm about it. I mean, it's, it, it could very well be a situation that's like the same as the NFL sending the, the, the Lions and the Jaguars to play in, in you know, uh, at Wembley or whatever. It's... It, I don't necessarily think that the first one is going to be like the El Clasico. No chance. Yeah. it's But, I mean, moving more towards actually having competitive uh, competitive matches between like massive marquee teams is, you know, like I, I, I'm all for that. I mean, the International Champions Cup is great and all, but also the lion's share of the best players aren't playing in those games. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be great if we lived in in an egalitarian economy where every league had as much money as every other league and <laughs> you didn't have to sort of cater to, to a global audience and you could just, you know, reward your local fans and still compete on a continental scale. That's just not what reality is. And every other league is trying to catch the Premier League because the Premier League was the first league that was like, oh shit, people outside of our country are watching our league and that's why they're so far ahead of everyone. Um, so this is obviously a way for La Liga to bring more money into the league. And I think that, you know, what Micah said about the Jaguars, you know, the joke is like that the Jaguars are like London's team, basically. Yeah. You see the benefit of a La Liga team becoming like America's team in a way. No pun intended relevant because it's relevant sports. It's relevant to us because we live in America. But how would you feel if it's like... You know, they have a game in America, a game in China, a game in Dubai. Where does it end, you know? It's a good question. I mean, I think you're going to see... There's going to be... I mean, the news, the reports are that the Spanish Player Federation, all of the captains are going to get together and say that this fucking sucks and we don't want to do <laughs> it. So I think... Fucking 18-hour flight or whatever. Yeah, so I think, like, the season. I, don't, I don't know if that's going to stop this from happening, but I think that could... The players are going to have some say it, in it getting out of hand, I would, I would imagine, I would hope. Um, right. I mean, I saw Gab Marcotti at ESPN wrote this, and I thought it was sort of spot-on for the benefits of it. You know, La Liga's not uh, an egalitarian league in the way that the Premier League at least hands out TV rights equally to everyone. It's all Barca and Madrid and then a little extra for Atletico. And so presumably this game is going to make the league a lot of money. And if it gets given to every team equally, that could be a boon for the league as a whole, make all of the teams richer. Um, or it could just become like Barca and Madrid get even richer, which w- right. would not be great. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move quickly to Ligue 1, which has also already started. Actually started a week before the Premier League. Or I think the same week, actually. As yeah, the Premier same League. week. I'm sorry. Uh, because we're just American-centric, we'll just talk about Timothy Weah. <laughs> you sound so excited, Tony. <laughs> <Yeah, do you? laughs> We've actually been... T- I actually, you know, I, I, in in thinking about Weah, I, I did a... Slack search for Tim Weah, and we've been talking about him literally for as long as the ringer has existed. Like, hey, Tim Weah is starting for the USA, you <laughs> under 17s, and he's making his first appearance for PSG, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, he scored in his first game. He took his shirt off after he scored. I know it was his first league on goal, but it was like a fucking calamitous. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right, Donnie. I'm kind of right. with no, Donnie no, 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 on no, no. this. Actually. No, wait. But hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right. You can't take so, your shirt no, off. I've, I'm for not scoring a freebie. My, I'm not done making my point. <laughs> I'm not done making mine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So okay. So he's imagine that you are 18. You get your first league start for this team that you've wanted to play for for such and such years, and basically. The, the game is deadlocked for 89 minutes and then you score to break the deadlock and it's your first goal playing for the team that you wanted to play for and you are overcome with emotion. And I mean, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm permitting basically anything that happens after that. Uh, it was 2 nothing when he scored. It was 2 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> also, 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 I don't think that was his first start. His first start was last week. That was He came on as a sub and scored. So basically, Michael, you have all your facts wrong. What else is new? What else is new? (laughs) What else is new? His first goal, his first yellow card, milestones. But you know what? Leave your your shirt on, man. Save that. I mean, it's like... Presumably, you plan to score many, many goals, right? <laughs> are you Are you gonna? You know, how are you gonna top that? You got to treat take it like sh- it's the t- first time. You every take time. your shirt off when you're Serge Aguero against QPR. That's when you take your shirt off. Wow! Do I sound, I can't do I sound be- like I can't Colin Coward right now? <laughs> yes, that's a good thing. In this situation. <laughs> yeah, you, you said. <laughs> and, and then you, and then, and then you had to bring up the QPR thing. Yeah. Oh, that's, sorry. It's just, but. But Ryan, how how excited should Americans be about Timothy Weah? I think that it's a good sign that he is getting a start for one of the best teams in the world at age 18. Um, it's also wild to watch Mbappe come on, who's only a year older, and be like 
85 <laughs> times better than Tim Weah. Because <laughs> uh, what happened is Weah came off in the 50th minute for Mbappe, and then PSG scored three goals. Uh, two of them were by Mbappe right after he came on. Um, and I, yes, that is a completely unfair player to compare him to, but I think the thing I like about Weah, he has like really good sort of intangible skills or at least like really good movement off the ball. He's not like a guy who has these like insane foot skills who's going to run past people or like, you know, rip shots into the upper corner from 30 yards out. So I think it's, I think tempered uh, excitement is the way to go here. I, I Do I see Tim Weah becoming a starter for PSG eventually? If I had to bet, probably not because there are, barely any players in the entire world who are good enough to be starting for PSG consistently, but the the him having a solid professional career, uh, it's a good bet to make when the guy's getting a start for PSG before he's old enough to rent a car in the States. All right, really quickly, boys. Let's do the top one through three young American hype rankings right now. Is way at the top? What's up with Weston McKinney? I haven't heard his name in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Pulisic is still at the top. Obviously. Yeah, you, yeah, CP at the top. CP, sure. CP at the top. McKinney is probably what? I don't know. Bundesliga hasn't started yet, so yeah, uh, we can't we can't accurately measure the the Weston McKinney hype just yet. So I would have to say Tim Way is second. Ryan, who else? Uh, Tyler Adams from the Red Bulls, who is. Uh, reportedly going to Red Bull Leipzig eventually. Um, I think he's awesome. And Leipzig is the best place to go, I think, if you're a young player um, as far as development. just because they is that, play. is that a little Red Bull to Red Bull deal? Yes, it is. It's gross, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's where we are. Yeah, Tyler Adams was good in the in the last couple friendlies. Yeah, I, shout, I, I would shout say... Shout out to Matt James. Wait, where does, Al- <laughs> where does Alfonso Davies rank? He's Canadian. He's technically okay. So, <laughs> He's so technically we're not counting just by his passport. You know? Just by his passport. Are we talking but, about the Bayern Munich, the White yeah, Caps? Yeah, I just yeah. I don't know. I just I, I just feel like we need to bring up Alfonso Davies because of the fact that Bayern Munich doesn't normally spend this kind of money on. Uh, well, <laughs> what I would say with that is that Bayern Munich tried to sell us on Julian Green being a future superstar. That's very true. <laughs> so. The thing about going from the v- Vancouver Whitecaps to the to Bayern Munich it's is that like, is going from Vancouver Whitecaps to Bayern Munich. It's like going from you know the second division in like Cutter for basketball, and then suddenly playing for the Warriors. It's just not <laughs> easy to do. <laughs> this is you know I cannot argue with that logic. Can I remind you guys that Matteo Guendouzi went from second division Lorient to <laughs> the starting lineup of the Arsenal and has played quite well. Good luck, Alfonso <laughs> Davies. <laughs> the final thing I wanted to talk about really quickly is, because we didn't talk about it before, uh, but we did this, Zach and Ryan, you guys, Zach Cram, worked on this style index. Is that what you guys are calling it? Watchability, watchability. ratings. Sorry. Watchability ratings for all of Europe and basically ranking teams based on how watchable they are. Maybe you can explain it a little bit better than I am, right? Yeah, so basically we looked at four things that we thought made teams watchable. It's not, you know, the most complex ranking, but it's dribbles attempted because trying to dribble past people is fun. <laughs> uh, expected goals just because getting good shots from good places is fun. Um Deep completions, so th- those are passing completions within 20 yards of your opponent's goal. So we looked at that as teams that are sort of trying to be dangerous with the ball in possession are fun. We don't want to reward teams that are just sort of doing the Spain against Russia thing and passing it around the tw- center circle. And then the fourth one was passes per defensive action, which is like the best stat to determine how aggressively a team presses because we thought that was fun too. Um, and then we sort of averaged each score, and it you, creates this, this thing called a Z-score, which is how it determines how far above the average or how far below you are. And then you add up all four, and you get the watchability rankings. And the rankings for last year are up on the site. The teams at the top are probably not shocking. It's Barca, PSG, City, Madrid, Bayern Munich, 
at the absolute bottom is Burnley, which <laughs> uh, sort of was our proof of concept in, in addition to you know, Atletico and Juve being lower despite being extremely successful teams. So we think it's going to be a fun way to kind of pick out the hipster teams and sort of let people kind of maybe try to figure out what they want to watch on a given day and base a game they're going to watch based on how watchable these teams are. The other good finding was that um, La Liga, I guess, a random La Liga game is way more watchable than a random Premier League game, which... I think probably makes sense because if you've ever watched, you know, Watford versus West Ham, um, that's probably 90 minutes of your life that you want to get back. We'll post some new updates soon. Uh, Once we have more data, Barca is already number one, which they might stay there the entire season because they do all of these four things incredibly well. Liverpool is number two, uh, which I think checks out based on their first two games. Bournemouth is sixth, so shout out to them. <laughs> shout out to David Brooks. <laughs> and uh, we have we only have 76 teams in it so far because the Bundesliga hasn't played yet, and four Serie A teams had their matches suspended. Uh, United is the 40th least oh watchable, most watchable team in the world. So the last year, that <laughs> seems high. It seems high. And last year they finished second in the Premier League, and they finished 18th in the watchability below Atlanta. Atalanta, I'm sorry, of Syria, mm-hmm. Lyon, Sevilla, Roma. I mean, Roma and Napoli, Leverkusen. The big take, the big other takeaway is that Marseille is the. Uh, if you're a true soccer hipster, that should be your team. They they were sixth in the watchability rankings last year, despite being Marseille. So, yeah, we'll be we'll be updating it all season long and kind of writing various pieces that tie the rankings into it. Um, it should be fun. I, I think it's it's not perfect, but I think it's a it's a pretty pretty accurate uh, description of most of the things that are happening. And we created it on our own, right? Or you guys did for The Ringer. We did. Zach came that, up with uh, Zach came up with the, the formula and or the Z-score and he collects all the data because uh, I still have no idea how he does that. All, yeah. all, 530, <laughs> all 538 on us. <laughs> and I, I helped pick the categories basically. <laughs> final word, final word. Uh, Son Heung-min, Sonny, Tottenham. He's with Korea, or the Korean national team, at the Asian Games in Indonesia. They have a round of 16 match against Iran, who Korea never beat. It's on Thursday, 8.30 Eastern time. For those who have been following Sonny, if they don't win a gold medal, if Korea doesn't win a gold medal, he still might have to do his military service. Very, very important game. My cousin in Korea was telling me that people are very, very nervous. So... Wish Sunny luck. Is everyone else taking it? Like, does Iran have a full team? I can't. I don't know. I believe that the Asian Games is like the Olympics, where it's kind of younger. Oh, so like it's twenty three and but yeah, Korea, I don't know if it's Korea can get like that Sun because of the potential military service, basically. Yeah. yeah, something like that. I mean, you know, any any soccer tournament that's going on, and you know, at the start of like the European League season, isn't you know. A major tournament. So. so, so are you pulling for military service because it'll hurt Tottenham, or are you <laughs> pulling for your country? Wow! <laughs> I, no, I, I want what's best for Sunny, just like I want what's best for you, Ryan and Micah. So sweet, so sweet, <laughs> so <laughs> Thank nice, you boys. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then, peace. <laughs>